Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. Let us know that you're watching us. Send us a thumbs up, a hand wave. I got two thumbs up in the back. Glory to God. Four more up there right on Nick and feel like they're crazy back there. Glory to God. Amen. Uh, man, well, do we have a strange? Yes, yesterday was strange. Amen. I woke up to thunder. I love thunder. Thunder. I mean, I could sit there with a cup of coffee all day, man. Dogs don't like it, but it was good. And then later on in the afternoon, man, it was like heat stroke. But, you know, I was like, man, God, what's going on here, you know? But, uh, you know, the day went, and it, it, glory to God, we made it. Uh, tonight, I have the, the honor of uh, ministering tonight. I want to uh, minister on a... I, I, I came across two articles. One of them was done by uh, a sports magazine. It was talking about the success of the Los Angeles football teams. And it was bringing out the fact that in 2016, when one of the teams came to Los Angeles, they were, they were ranked in the fan base last. Out of 32 teams in the NFL, they were last. But over the course of the last several years in winning, the Super Bowl helped a lot. They became number three. They became number three in the fan base. We can't hear you, Beth. There you two. <laughs> but what happens is, is that everyone wants to be part of a winning team. And then the second article I read was by, done by, published by Wheaton College. And it was talking about uh, that there are nearly 100 million people in this nation who describe themselves as evangelical Christians. And the article went on to say that uh, it gave the definition of an of a, of a evangelical Christian, a one who was scriptural-based uh, individual who was Bible believing, a fundamentalist, and an orthodox. People who stand on the Word of God, people who believe in the Word of God and live the Word of God. A hundred million people. Now, it went on to say that if this was accurate, this makes up 30 to 35 percent of this entire nation. And it said this if this is true, it poses a great problem. If there are so many Christians who consider themselves evangelical Christians, why do we still have such a miss in this world? So it gave the comparison of a fan and a follower. It said that the church has an abundance of fans, but that it was running short on true disciples or followers. A follower. So turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 8, verses 34. A simple scripture, very brief, but it's the base of this message. It reads this If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for the opportunity, Father, to minister your word. 
Lord, I ask that tonight as hearts are being prepared, Lord God. Lord God, that believers are being challenged, Father. Lord God, that we would refocus our attention, Lord God, on what you are telling the church in these last days, Father. Lord, I pray for your word to go forward, Lord God, through me, Lord. Your word is anointed. I ask that you anoint me to deliver that word. I'm mindful of your presence, God. I give you honor, glory, and praise. Amen. There are two stories that I want to bring out tonight in our Gospels that make reference to this. The first we find in Matthew chapter 4, we see where God, Jesus, approaches two brothers, Peter and Andrew. They're on a boat fishing, and Jesus gives them the simple words of, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. See, the Bible records that immediately they left their nets and they followed him. They leave everything that they know behind to follow Jesus. It's like you and I. When God called you and I to come and follow him, you, some of you did not have to think twice. Some of you just took the call and God touched you and God called you to the ministry. God called you to follow him and you left everything to follow him. You're here today. We know that there are those who struggle with this and those who have to weigh out all the things that they're going to lose out on, all the things that they are going to miss out on, and, and, and they have to think it through. And we know that today that a lot of those individuals are not here for the simple fact that they weighed it out and they counted the cost and they determined that following Jesus was too hard. They had no clue of what was involved. They were fishermen. They were simple men. Jesus sees them there mending their nets, fishing. He sees them and he sees two individuals, two brothers, and he says, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Now, when you think about that, there weren't too many career choices for Jewish men in this time. They were either going to go into the ministry or they were going to go into a trade. So they took this trade and they perfected it. That was their, their livelihood. It's like when God calls you and I. Some of you were in a, in a position in your life where you were probably advancing in your career. You were probably advancing in, in where you were going. Some of you were advancing in no good. Some of you were, some of you were, were being perfected to, to, to do things that were illegal, do things that, that didn't benefit you in the long run. You didn't think it through. You, just, you were just living in the moment, living with the, the cars, the money, and, and all that. And you, you, you took all that into consideration. God called you. You left it. God called you and said, follow me. And you left everything behind and you said, Lord, I am going to follow you. I am going to go where you lead me. And you are here today blessed in the house of God for it. See, when Jesus calls a man or a woman, he has something greater in store for you. We know that to be true. In Jeremiah 29, 11, we know the scripture so well. It says the, he has plans to prosper you. And not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. See, before Jesus, you were planning out your own future. How many here had a plan? 
How many of you, if you just lived day, week to week, man, you just, you just went with it? But then there are those, man, that meticulously planned out their life, man. By this time, I want to have this going on. I want my house. I want this. I want this business. I want this going. I want all this. I have it all planned out. But how many know that sometimes God just comes in and disrupts everything? And says, no, you're going to follow me. Because it's a greater plan for you. You don't see the outcome. You just know that he has something great in store for you. And that's why the enemy opposes you so much. That's why the enemy attacks you so much. And that's why he gives you all these head trips and all these, all these trials and all these uh, darts that are fired at you that you overcome on a daily basis because God has a plan for you. In Proverbs 19.21 it says, Many plans are in a man's heart, but the purpose of the Lord will prevail. I find that true because I had a plan. I had a plan by this age. I wanted to do this. By, by this age, me and my brother had a plan that we were going to open up a, a little sports bar. And, and I had it all planned out. Boom. But God came in and changed all that up. I look back and I say, you know what, God? You knew what was going to take place. And you allowed me to go through all the things that I went through. All the, all the career choices that I made. God, I, I see where God's hand was in it because it took me to the next season, to the next season. Some of you here this evening, God is preparing you for what you're going to do in another season. You don't see it. You don't understand it. But God has a plan that you don't fully understand right now. You're in the process. You're in the training process where God is developing you. God is training you. God is ministering to you and showing you what is good for you. See, oftentimes we don't think that it's good for us at the moment. Why do I go through this? Why am I going through this season of loneliness? Why am I feeling detached from my family? Why do I feel like I'm not advancing in the workplace? Everything that is done it's for the benefit of the people of God. God's hand is in everything. There is nothing that can be done to you and I that God does not know. There is nothing that will take place in our life that God not, has not ordained. The second we find later in Matthew chapter 19. We know the story. The Bible says he was a rich young man. But he had an admiration for Jesus. He asked Jesus a simple question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus knew where he stood. But then he poses the question to him that he must keep all, he says, to keep all his commandments, to which the young man replies, all these things I have kept, but what is it that I am lacking? Verse 20, Jesus tells him this. Go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. The man went away sad, the Bible says, because he couldn't bring himself to do it. See, one of the areas in our walk with God that we prevent God from furthering us 
is that when we do not heed to what God is telling us to do. God tells you, look, I want you to step back from that relationship and focus on me. I want you to not take that position. The money's great, but it's going to take you away from me. God is telling you to, if you obey his voice, that if you adhere to what God is telling you today, what God is telling the church, he says, hear him, obey him. So God gives him the thing. He says, look, I laid it out what you need to do. He says, sell all that you have. Give to the poor. Who knows? This could have been the 13th disciple. It could have. But what it was that kept him back is that he did not want to leave everything. See, we want the best from God. But are we willing to give God our best? See, we love the forgiveness of sins. We love the blessings of God. But when God gives you a simple command to leave that and follow me, will we hear what he's saying? See, clearly he admired Jesus. He desired eternal life, but he thought he was a great teacher. He came to him to ask him his advice. But the thing was, is he was a fan, not a follower. See, when you go through the religious leaders throughout the time, every one of them had something great to say about Jesus. Muhammad admired Christ. Mahat Gandhi, Jesus was a great man. And all these religions had something great to say about Jesus. But they were not followers. They were admirers. See, the purpose of the church and our goal here and our mandate here, our commission. It's not a suggestion. It's a commission to go into the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. To reach people. To allow God to mend them. And that we, we, we work in with, with them and we, we impart into them. That's why our ministry is thriving because we reach out to the people that a lot of people will overlook. We have a heart for those that are hurting. We, we see that, that an individual has an opportunity. God sees the potential in each and every one of us here today. That this individual is going to be a, a, a teacher. This individual is going to be a leader, a Bible study, a pastor, a pastor's wife, a minister, a, a worship leader. God sees the potential in everyone. Everyone here has a gift from God. Are you utilizing it? So our purpose is to what? Make disciples. Not just to add names to the roles or to increase our church attendance. All those things are great. But where a lot of churches lack today are that there are more bench warmers than there are disciples. There are more people watching things being done than being involved. See, if you're going to sit back and wait for the heavens to open 
and a dove to descend upon you, and a voice from heaven saying, this is my disciple and who I am well pleased. You're going to wait for a long time. God is looking for you, and when God ministers to you and speaks to you, take advantage of that and say, you know, Lord, I'm going to step out in faith. See, what holds us back oftentimes is the fear of rejection and failing. Failing. Somebody don't want to come up here because they fear speaking. Somebody don't want to minister to someone because they fear the rejection. Someone don't want to apply for that position because they feel that they're inadequate or they feel that they lack. You never know what doors God is going to open until you approach them. If your prayer is, God, if this is your will, open that door. If this is going to bring you glory, God, open that door. Lead me, guide me. Send me in that path. See, our text gives us three areas that I want to bring out tonight. The first one, it tells us, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Say it with me. Deny oneself. See, when Christ calls an individual, he bids him to come and die. See, we don't like that. We don't like to feel less than. We don't like to feel uh, like, you know what, we missed the mark. We don't like that. We don't like feeling uneasy. But he says to deny oneself. To, to deny oneself is to be aware only of Christ and no more of self. How many here will admit that before Jesus, you thought of only yourself? Amen. Not one hand. Glory to God. One hand back there. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so when we die to ourselves, what are we dying to? We're dying to the old self. The old way of thinking. The old way of doing things. The old way. How, how many schemers? How many delivered schemers? Let me say that. How many delivered schemers do we have here in the house of God tonight? Amen. Come on now. Now we're getting it. By the end of the service, all hands are going to be up. I can, I, I'm preaching it tonight. So we give up the right to our reputation by denying ourselves. You ever hear that? More people are more concerned about what people think about you than you care about what God thinks about you. I care less what anybody says about me. Like me, don't like me, it's not going to phase me either way. I don't purposely set out to be hated. But you know what? Sometimes you are going to offend people. Your lifestyle, sometimes you don't have to say nothing, not a word. But the fact that you stand for Christ offends people. The fact that you stand on the word of God offends people. It will offend your neighbors. It will offend your family. You will see it. You will hear it. You will feel it. But we never worry about what the world says about us. Our concern is, is God, what do you see, say about me? What do you see? What is there in my life that brings glory to you? And when you do this, this will offend the world. Matthew 5.11, it says this, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. So if you're going to be a follower of Jesus and not a fan, because I'll tell you this, if you're just a fan, they'll talk about you still. 
Oh, he goes to church, but he has the best tequila collection that I've ever been to. They'll talk about you. The world will always let you go to church, but don't live for it. Don't stand in it. Don't preach it. They don't mind you going to church. The devil will don't care if you come to church. But when you start walking in the things of God, when you start standing for righteousness, when you start making that stand against sin and saying, you know what, I'm not going to do that no more. I'm not going to hang out at Friday nights at the, at the pool hall. I'm not going to call that individual. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do these things because they don't bring glory to God. And it's affecting my walk with God. So what do we do? We deny our pride. Our pride. Our image. I've heard people say, I have an image to uphold. There's a certain quality about my life that people, they look for that. But we don't want to suppress that. And we just want to live up to that image. Another one is to deny our emotions. How many know that your emotions will fool you? Your emotions, man, where the, you know, there's times where you don't feel it. There's times that we come into the house of God and we just say, you know what, I, I, I don't feel this. I don't feel like lifting my hands. I don't feel like giving a shout. I don't feel like doing any of these things. Our emotions, we come in and burden and we don't release it to God and it carries us through the whole service. God is telling you, look, let it go. Let it go. Lift up your hands. When we begin to do that, when we begin to focus on God, all those things start to fall off of us. And then we're able to stand in the presence of God and say, you know what, God, you get the glory. Look, that problem, it's still going to be out there when you leave these doors. But you know what? I'm not going to let you devil steal my joy here tonight. God is going to minister to me. God is going to do these things. And we stand on that and we walk in that and we just say, you know what? We don't have to let people know. You ever see that individual that always has to let people know that they're going through trials? I'm going through it. We're all going through it. We're all going through it. But you know what? Put a smile on your face. Put a smile on your face because you know what? I would rather have Jesus in problems than no problems without Jesus. I would rather go through the fire with Jesus than go through the fire alone. Listen, when we stand on the things of God and the promises of God, look, today might not be a good day for me, God, but I know that tomorrow's going to be another day and I'm going to grow up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shake off all this nonsense and I'm going to say, you know, God, I'm going to grow up in the things of God. So our emotions, 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 man. You know what? We can't be those emo Christians. <laughs> Third thing is we deny our will. How many know that our will is always against the will of God? Because we always want to do it our way. God says, no, do it this way. He said, no, God, but that's a little too hard. It's all this and navigating through all this when I could just cut through all of that and do this. And our will never works out. Do it his way. The second thing in that text, he says, take up your cross. Now, what does this involve? Because we hear it all the time. I pick up my cross daily. I follow Jesus. 
Taking up your cross was an, the cross was an instrument of death. And what Jesus is referring to is commitment to him even unto death. See, we talk about living for Jesus, but when it comes to dying for Jesus, some people are like, oh, man, you know what? I, I wanted to go to church and get saved and, you know, heal up the family, but now you're asking for a little bit too much, God. The cost. Where he says, you're willing to follow me even on to death. The cross. See, the difference between a fan and a follower is their level of commitment. I always say this, and I joke with, with some fans. And I say this, fans will leave in the eighth inning when you're down by three runs. A fanatic will hang in there till the last pitch. You always see it. You go to a ball game, eighth inning, your team is down, and you start seeing people leaving. They're all out there, but there's always that core of people, man, that they're going to hang in there. They'll reverse their hats. They're going to rally. They're going to do this, and they're cheering their team on. See, we're not always going to have those moments where things are rosy and glorifying. We're not going to have all those moments. But if you're a follower, you're going to say, you know what, Jesus, till the wheels fall off. Jesus, man, you know what, till this, you know, this, this is going to pass. Man, there was a while back, man, where every Friday I had something happen. It got to the point by the fourth Friday, I just woke up and said, okay, Lord, what are we going to do today? But God, every Friday, God got me through it. My Friday was not good, but my Saturday morning, I, I was waking up glorifying God. See, the, thing, the difference between the fan is that they will follow until it's not pleasant. So when Jesus gives them the opportunity... He gives the two brothers the opportunity to, the, the decision is always yours. He says, leave that and follow me. And they didn't have to think about it. Because if when you think about it, when God called you, you were doing something that you were very comfortable with. You didn't go through persecution. Or at that time, you didn't call it persecution. You just called it a hard life. But when the rich young ruler thought about it, he waited out and he determined that he wasn't willing to leave the livelihood that he had. He wasn't willing to leave everything to follow Jesus because it was uncertain. See, we all want heaven, but nobody wants to die. So death on the cross was not pleasant. It was a painful and humiliating task. See, the implication here is that even if obedience is painful and humiliating, we should be willing to endure it for Christ. How many here, have, God has ever brought you into an uncomfortable situation where you feel like, man, I'm out of my realm. I'm out of my, my zone, man, God. I don't feel comfortable here. But you be still and you allow God to use you. This is a moment where you have that connection in, in, in your spirit where you say, well, you know, Lord, I don't fully understand what's going to take place here, but I'm going to allow you to use me. I talk to myself. I know, man, that there's some people that probably say, man, you know what, do we call, do we call somebody? Because this guy's having a full conversation with himself. 
And I'm, I'm just there shaking off devils and just rebuking devils. And I'm just talking to God. God, what is it that you're trying to show me? And if I'm quiet, if I'm quiet, God starts to speak. See, oftentimes we don't hear the voice of God because we're making too much noise. We're posting things. We're, we're calling people into our nonsense. We're, we're reaching out, trying to get everyone's advice. And, and the thing I want to say this, look, if you ask advice from one of your leaders and you don't like what is said to you, don't go to another leader and see if you're going to get a different, out, a different word. Follow what God is trying to instruct you because it's for your benefit. It's for you to grow. It's not pleasant. It never is. But you're going to grow from it. You're going to mature from it. And that is the process that God is taking us through. So we take up our cross. Matthew 10, 38 reads this and it says, And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Will you take up the cross? Will you deny yourself? See, all these things have to do with us. The choice is yours. That's the wonderful thing about the gospel is that you are presented with truth and you either accept it or reject it. How many here can testify that when you followed what God was telling you, you had a better outcome than your own way? True. A hundred percent. The third thing is to follow Christ. So we deny ourselves, we pick up our cross, and the third is to deny, or is to follow Christ. Denying yourself, bearing your cross, and following closely. See, 22 times Jesus uses the phrase in the gospel to follow him. Follow me. Seven times in Matthew, four times in Mark, four times in Luke, seven times in John. What does this mean to take up the cross and to follow Jesus? I listed these things. Ask yourself this. Would you still follow Jesus if it meant losing your closest friends? Would you still follow Jesus if it meant alienation from your family? Would you still follow? Would you still follow Jesus if it meant the loss of your reputation? Would you still follow Jesus if it meant losing your job? Lastly, would you still follow Jesus if it meant losing your own life? See, throughout history, record shows that martyrs have held on to the end. Because they had the realization that whatever you do to me, you could hurt this body, but you can't take my soul. That I belong to Jesus. See, the enemy has targeted each and every individual here. Those of you who are watching, yes, even you. Targeted. Targeted for an assignment to distract you, to get you off course, and to target you and to remove you from the things of God, the plans that he has for you. That's why in these last days, I believe that he's working overtime. You're going to see it over and over again where churches are going to be ran through the mud that uh, speaking out against the things that God is doing in these last days. But as the Christians stand, our greatest weapon, our greatest weapon will be and always will be prayer. 
is that when the people of God come together and they come in unity and they say, you know what, God, we're going to lock arms. We're going to stand and we're going to fight. We're going to fight on our knees and we're going to call on heaven that, God, whatever you do in heaven, you will do here on earth. And as we, in, as we walk into that, God starts to move things. God starts to open doors. Because the last day, the enemy will prevail against the Christian. Bible says that there will be a great falling away. So of all these hundred millions of people who refer to themselves as evangelical Christians, if they were to heed to what God is telling them, we would have revival in this nation. He said, if my people would humble themselves and seek my face, what does he say he will do? Great things. See, Paul to Corinthians in chapter 11, 1 Corinthians, he says this, Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. See, that's a bold statement to say, follow me because I follow Christ. What he's saying is, is that I take up the characteristics of Jesus and I, you can pattern your life after me. That is a bold statement. How many of us here today can say that? Follow me. Because I'm the example of Christ. See, parents, the greatest task that God has given us is to raise our children. It's not that we raise them in church, but that we raise them in Christ. That we see Jesus. See, the same mom and dad that they see here at church, they need to see at home. The same Jesus that we see in you here at church needs to be at the, at the schoolyard, needs to be at the workplace, needs to be in front of these individuals. You are the walking epistle. You are the, the Jesus that people see. One person said, preach the gospel, and if possible, don't use any words. When, we, when I hear that, that tells me and encourages me that I have the opportunity to show people Jesus through my lifestyle, that that individual, he loves God, that he loves God. Stand with me tonight. The three areas that were brought out in this text of Mark was to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and to follow. See, we're in a, we have the opportunity to allow God to continue to move. But there are times I want something more for an individual than they want it for themselves. And you look at that and you just say, man, if they would only hold on. I've seen people leave right before their breakthrough. If they would have just held on a little longer, they would have seen the hand of God was moving. Tonight, maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Anthony, I've yet to commit my heart to God. Come to church, but I'm not walking. I'm not following. There's areas in my life that I still yet to leave behind. I don't pick up the cross like I should on a daily basis. I, I come in and out. I have my moments. I'm emotional this time. I feel it and I want to do great. I do great, but then I miss up. We're all messed up. We all fall short. 
But the great thing is, is that God continues to pick us up. And God, he, man, he doesn't give up on us. So if that's you here tonight, you say, Anthony, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Or I'm backslidden. I've walked away and I'm just, I'm just going through these. I, I, I'm just waiting to fill the, the, the need. There's no greater need than now. Today is the day. Where you say, God, I want to make it right. If that's you here tonight, I want you just to step out of your, your seat. Maybe you're watching this on live stream and you say, Anthony, you know what? I, I, I haven't been to church, so I feel disconnected. I don't want you to feel that way. You're tuned in, and I believe that you have the opportunity to say, you know what, God, I want to make it new. So I'm going to say a prayer tonight. And if that's you here tonight, and maybe you're watching, or maybe you're sitting in your seat, and you know what, you don't feel the, the, to, to come up here, but you, you say this prayer with me, mean it in your heart. And the Bible says he will do what he does best. He will cleanse you, save you. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you as a sinner. I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for all of my sins. And this day, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart and cleanse me. Wash me in your blood. In Jesus' name.